I've been up since 3 a.m. I like to be awake. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. <sighs> Excuse me. I mean, please do listen and send us money. I need money. The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. All engines are go. Good morning. Mr. A is very tired today. We've already spoken about this, so I will not go on about it at all. But just, you know, I can't sleep because I can't breathe. And, uh... Yeah. I did, however, do a little bit of research today on if, if there's any new fangled uh, surgeries that I might be eligible for. Oh, yeah. I just like surgery mostly. You love doctors and surgery, so. Yeah. I have no insurance, too, so if I do it, it'll be really expensive, but uh, possibly worth it. But there's this new one, new-ish, I think it's called, like, Vivair or something. This mm, that sounds name. fancy. But, uh... Yeah, they have all these different things, like all the non-invasive ones that I'm like, I wish I had that problem, but apparently I don't because I remember asking him about this one where they they call it a balloon sinoplasty or something, and it's like a very temporary thing, but it's really for people that get sinus infections. Fantastic. I'm kind of (laughs) unique in that I don't get sinus infections at all. I just can't breathe, which a lot of people that have what I have also are sick chronically, oh. but I'm not, which is nice. That's the only upside because my dad has all these sinus issues, but I get all this from the my mother's side. And uh, what they do is they take this thing, like this contraption. I guess you could think about it as like a balloon, kind of. And they stick it up your nose and then they they thread it into your sinuses so you have these like pockets you know of like open space in your skull and uh, they'll stick it into your sinus which obviously there's an opening there for into (laughs) your sinus creepy and they just pump this thing up and it opens and opens and opens until your sinus and the airway into your sinus is fully expanded and then they deflate it and pull it out. And I guess that lasts for some amount of time enough to like your butt for your body to get rid of the sinus infection. Anyway, I'm not eligible for that, but this one I am possibly eligible for is like, um, I'd almost rather have the other one that I did, which I went under for. Cause I don't like being awake for, you know, painful. Procedures. I like to be awake when the doctor is chiseling away at my teeth. <laughs> Well, it's it's like yeah, well, I, like exactly. So the it's a perfect example because they're like, oh, this isn't gonna hurt, except for the part where we have to put novocaine in your mouth, and it's like if you have to stick needles in my gums for like five minutes straight, that sucks too. Like you're still stabbing me in the mouth. But nevertheless, so this one is similar, and I'm it's you know you can always tell what the bad part of a surgery is by what they don't tell you. <laughs> So they're like, we numb it with, you know, Novocaine. And you're like, okay. And then they show the how they do the surgery thing. And I'm like, but wait, how do you numb it? Which I'm pretty sure, I'm sure, just because they didn't show it, 
that involves taking a long needle and you have to stay really still and they have to shove this needle into your nose and like up your nose, I'm guessing, and numb your face through internally. And then they stick this wand in there with a radio frequency transmitter on the end of it, which is odd. (laughs) But apparently, (laughs) I know, whatever radio frequency they're using, I guess it gets hot. Oh, my God. And they kind of just like zap your what is what are called turbinates and uh supposedly you can breathe after this is that. not so right i'd be willing to try it oh my god I'd be, as i told you this morning i'd sell my soul to the devil to be able to breathe oh but wow <laughs> that's neither here nor there <sighs> excuse me <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Okay, on a brighter note. On a brighter note. I wrote, hopefully you brought a topic because mine are not interesting, but I just did take some notes recently Okay, good. Uh, on our podcast. And uh, I was, I told you about this theory a little bit, but this whole concept of does psycho, so uh, social psycho, does that mean anything? Is it the right name? So I started listing out topics that we like cover all the time, like everything, you know, gets to this eventually. And the first one is uh, constantly reanalyzing whether or not psycho or social psycho is the right podcast title. So that's good. Um, oh I God. also noticed we'd have, I just, I'll just go through like the bullet points. <laughs> just um, high level people. The, these are, uh, topics and insights. <laughs> so not just topics, just things that insights. we, it, yeah. Work is weird. That's for sure. Um, we hit that a lot. Uh, death is scary. Also true. <laughs> Uh, religion had an effect on us and who we became, clearly, more so than maybe I'd like to imagine. But according to the podcast, it has uh, been fundamental. Yeah, it's very religious. Um, it's a religious pod. I'm realizing <laughs> it's a godcast. It's godcast. Um, what is the meaning of life? Yeah. Uh, what's with trans? <laughs> animals are interesting animals are very interesting we we go we hit animals a lot it's an interesting phenomenon i didn't know we were interested in animals. every episode almost i didn't either i mean we definitely had i think our first podcast was called animals or something or pets but somehow maybe it's because we just started on that foot it just never went away um but i feel like every single episode has mentioned animals um, Mr. A is probably depressed and uh, morbidly fascinated with death and mortality. That's all probably one insight there. <laughs> I had an insight Bounce on that insight. and everything. Oh, wait, what was it? What did you oh, say? Oh, good. Ba- uh, I only have two more, then we can hit. Uh, balance is everything. Uh, balance in everything. Yes. Um, on the other hand, Everything is a conspiracy, <laughs> or it isn't. Uh, mm, these are good. Oh, sorry. This is a, one more that's kind of two-sided. Two we hate editing. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and this podcast is basically for a family. Okay, any uh, insights on my insights? Um, my insights <laughs> on your insights are... Uh, well, let me go in reverse order. Uh, what was the last thing you said? I wanted to say something about that. The podcast is for the family. Or were you talking about balance, uh, Mr. A is probably de- depressed and morbidly fascinated with his own sure, mortality? Sure, yeah, we can start there. So, um, morbidly depressed, I was thinking about this. Not morbidly depressed, mildly depressed, morbidly obsessed with death, which oh. is probably kind of a circular That was just loop. a Freudian slip of mine. I just was like, oh, he meant yeah. <laughs> morbidly depressed. Any obsession with death is morbid, <laughs> right? I get it. Um, when we started this pod... I do want to talk about this a second. Um, I was angry. I was just angry. And I ranted about a lot of things. But it was because what was going on was that I was having a bad time at work. And I was being, well, let's call it fired from my job. But not really fired. I was like being pushed out. <laughs> let's call it fired. <laughs> you were being pushed I was being out. pushed I wasn't being fired because I deserved to be fired because I wasn't doing my job. I was being fired because... Of silly reasons. Anyway, so I was angry. Social psycho. Things. Yes. And then I uh, didn't have a job for a second. And then I got a new job. And now that I have this new job, things are going well. Um, and my whole mentality has shifted. And so I was thinking, maybe you were talking about not having a job or trying to get a job. And I was like, I think a job would just be really good for you psychologically. And I would extend that advice to anyone because yeah, it just feels like you have stability. And then I will even take that a bit further and say, if you can do your own thing and make your own money and not have a boss, that's like another level of psychological stability that you can achieve. I think, um, so we're trying to get this pod to take off to the moon. Uh, like and subscribe. Share with your fans. Your fans. Your fans. Because you have fan- Everyone's a celebrity these days. Um. <laughs> yeah. Share our podcast with your fans. <laughs> I don't even so know what it we means. We can have fans too. No. All six of you who listen to this um, know that. That's you, Mom. Ryan. Ryan. Um that's probably the main two listeners. Yep, I'm gonna probably gonna end it there. <laughs> that's it. But we appreciate you. Anyone in our family that has a drive, like to yes. work, like literally a drive yeah. to work. Yeah. So, yeah, and probably not entertained by the blather that comes through the radio. Right. No, our blathering is much better. Um, exactly. I did want to talk about the podcast though. So, listening to the podcast, this is a very meta episode. I just think it's so interesting to listen back to yourself um, because how many times do you record yourself? I mean, people talk about it. They joke about like they wish they had recorded that conversation so they could go back and be like, what did I say? Did I really say that? Did that person make that shit up? You know, <laughs> or am I misremembering? And so now we have all the red receipts. Yeah. Did I make sense when I just finished? I just finished speaking. Did any of that actually? Did I? Is that worth <laughs> exactly. saying? Exactly. My editing says no. <laughs> most, of it gets re- most of it gets removed. But <laughs> so we could never live stream. Yeah, this. no, we're not at that level yet. Um, but also, I don't know that anyone's at that level. Um, so I listen back. One thing I notice is I have all sorts of weird speech impediments that I didn't realize I had, and it's just funny. Like mm. I realized that like weird things will happen in the pod where I like mispronounce words or. 
I will start speaking yeah. in an accent that I didn't intend to start speaking in or start enunciating things in a weird way that's not how I would usually. I have noticed, I have noticed there's a few words that you say uh, that you, your accent, if you can call it that, has, uh, I, I know where it came from and it's new mm. and it's from my. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm sure. So. Um, the only one I can think of off the top of my head, it's really, it's a lot, it's, it's not every word probably with this feature, but it's, it's, it, I notice it in words that have the feature of, I think what they call the short A, mm. which is the ass. sound. Oh, that might be Michigan. That's a, is that the Michigan A you're talking about? Like, yeah, but I think Michael says do, and there's a, there's a inflection to it that is Michael and maybe the Michigan is the accent. Since you were up there for mm, yeah, so long, yeah, I went long. to school there. But it's like, because, because honestly, Michael kind of sounds a little Canadian for what has a little Canadian. not always. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's. I think it's because of the. I think it's partially the affectation. Like the, it's like a nice, like a. You know, you could tell when a Canadian's talking, almost even if they don't have the accent. You know what I mean? Like, they're just mm, a little nicer. It's like a tone. You know, they just kind of, they have like a tone. Whereas in the South, you either get like so kind that you're not sure if it's passive aggressive or just blunt rudeness, which you just accept as part of the culture too. <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. So you learn to either take everything personally or nothing personally. Oh, look um, at the two extremes. But it's not, it doesn't seem like that for people like... Even people uh, like Ryan. Yeah. He's from Michigan. And he doesn't have some of those features. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I don't know. So that's one thing, the mispronunciation of things. The other thing is... That's all I was oh. going to say about that, too. That is... I don't know if there's a, a, a thing officially for that, but I... Some people do that even when, like, actually and theoretically, they know... The right pronunciation. Yes, that's you what know? I was saying. But they just yeah. say it wrong, anyways. Yeah, like that's. I swear, there's another. I think uh, there's a podcast called uh, No Agenda with Adam Curry, and I don't know what it is, but he's not dumb or anything. But he does that all the time, and um, it's like the it's like the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yes. You know, it's, it's weird. Like, those are the right words but you're saying them weird <laughs> like why are you saying them like that but i usually let it slide because sometimes too you just read yeah. something so often instead of hearing it that you just say it that yes. way however you read it in your head anyway yeah, yeah that's no that's it's all. fine yeah so that's a little weird i also will say it's like a diary because you can listen throughout the episodes and i've noticed this with other podcasters too but like you can just see how my mood or your mood changes across the episodes oh my god I am so volatile. Oh my gosh. It's ridiculous because it's happened so fast that it can literally be like I don't even recognize myself editing the podcast that I just finished recording. You know, mm. it's like one day later and I'm like, what was wrong with me? Yeah, yeah. I will say the probably the most embarrassing one is for me at least. Oh. I don't know if you have one in mind for yourself. Like if I had edited this one, I it probably none of it would have been in there. But oh, wow. the one where I ranted, see, this time I didn't, but I talked about my breathing problems. But that time where I ranted about <laughs> my breathing problems for like a half an hour, 
I felt so <laughs> guilty for that. But at the same time, like it was just kind of cringe. But if you knew, you know, if you if you did know, if you could, if, if you knew, I, you I, know. when I listened to it, <laughs> it literally it's like if you if you have if you have the what's the, the if you have empathy, I can't even think compassion would be enough. I just said something like Michael compassion. Oh, oh, that ooh. Hard a, that a. Um, but the uh, if you can put yourself in the position, then you know that it's like if you can't sleep and you're really tired you. and you still can't sleep. Like I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Like that's a massive component to it, and I think it makes me unbelievably like I'm already the big five personality types. I did the Jordan Peterson one one time as well, which gives you 10. Oh, shit. And by all measures, so he takes the five and breaks them down into two, each one of those five into two more. Oh, like the scale? Because they're all on like a bipolar scale, I think. Ocean. Yeah, which so he is takes openness, each of those. Conscientiousness, extroversion, neuroticism, and extrovert. Or I missed one. Agreeableness. There we go. But then those can be broken yes. down. It's interesting. Like openness can be so, like more open less open there's words for whatever and there's also like <sighs> well they can also be reinterpreted too like neuroticism can be reinterpreted because they're all based on language and synonyms and whatnot so you can reinterpret it as like emotional stability or emotional instability anyway not yes. to dig yeah digress onto this but you took this test and you were saying that not sleeping is a big deal you feel bad about ranting about sleeping or not being able yeah, to sleep but my personality type is so it's we have to say the five so I can remember it's openness, uh, conscientiousness, extroversion, uh, extroversion, agreeableness, uh, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find the Jordan Peterson one because I want to know what the other two because it's I think it's within the neuroticism one. So I'm exceptionally high. Mm, yes, um, but I'm I think the reason I'm really high in neuroticism is. So then you can break that down into two traits and then one of the, cause like neuroticism is kind of like, there's, it's like the negative emotion. Like there's not like a positive spin on that. Like if you're like really extroverted, that could be like, you know, annoying, but like there's, it's like good. You know? If you're there's high no, in like, neuroticism, like, people aren't like, that's good. <laughs> yeah. They're not, never, no one's like, excellent, like good choice. So I have high neuroticism and most of it comes from, if I'm remembering the breakdown correctly, basically volatility. Mm-hmm. So I'm like the negative aspect I'm high in and then I'm high in the negative aspect because of the negative aspect of that aspect. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I'm highly volatile. So it makes sense that I would fluctuate podcast to podcast because every day is like a new turmoil oh or something or like a new thing. But man, if you add not being able to sleep through the night to that, oh my God. Like my mood is so unstable the next day. Like right now I'm- Unstable. <laughs> just i'm holding on i'm white knuckling sanity completely oh my god <laughs> no i think um yeah neuroticism can be good it's like uh what would you call that you can be type a that's what i was thinking, like you yes. can be really organized and stuff but i'm totally a very dutiful person like self-reflecting like those are the people who tend to be like overly self-deprecating and like too hard on themselves but that also has social value like you're a very conscientious not like because conscientiousness is another trait, yeah so but i have conscientiousness but i don't yeah i have the conscientiousness but i don't have the the breakdown that you have so you have the conscientiousness which is like the effective 
like um hardworking do the things i have yes i have like the other one which is like i think just more psychologically like a a leaning like temperamentally Mm -hmm. or something but it's not and it's sad because those are supposed to be really reliable tests so like every time you take it it's just going to come out this way and probably if you would have taken it at five it would have been this way if you take it at 30 it's probably still that way you're just this guy well, it does change slightly over time, but it changes in reliable ways that is as well. True. People tend to change in the same ways, yeah. Yes, but it but it's consistent across like exactly, everybody yeah. almost. I think like everybody gets a little less this, right, a little, a little more, that, more that kind open. Of thing. Yeah. Interestingly, you get more yeah. open as you get older. People think of the old elderly as like closed off, but that's only uh, contextually, like based on their starting point, because ultimately they actually become much more open. Yeah. It's like the biggest change over time is your openness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, too, probably but, just a product oh, of experiencing so much life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what do you think about this? This is not anything deep. We haven't even looked into it. But I, there's this. So astral. What's that thing where you're Virgo or Pisces or whatever? Oh, astrology. Astronomy. No, yeah. astrology. Yeah. So those, if you read. There's another test that we should talk about. But you have to do it first because it is freaky accurate. You've probably done it, but we'll talk about that later. But but it has this aspect too, so that's why and I'm just it's just coming to mind. But in astrology, like if you read like okay, scare quotes here, the science on it, or like the people that like write a breakdown oh, of it, okay. you know, like if you're this, if you're a Libra, you have this, 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 and this. So there's like people that'll really break that down and be like, if you're Libra and you're out of balance, like you'll have all these traits. But if you're like a healthy Libra, then you'll have these traits. I wonder if there's something like that for, maybe that's what the Jordan Peterson thing is. Like if you break down each of the big five, like there's like a better and a worse or something, or like, you know, that there's a way to be, like you were saying, like a way to be high in neuroticism, but like it not be. Well, yeah. Super I think, yeah, one problem with the ocean stuff is like it becomes morally valence kind of like what you were saying like oh neuroticism is always bad but that's not true like all of those things are contextual like you can also be open in a bad way like you could be sort of not judicious with your experience and sort of be open to negative things like bad things for you and then overdose on fentanyl yeah exactly um so it's not always good um and so i think Two, like, it's good to think about the population as a whole, maybe, or the community as a whole. It's like you want kind of a distribution of these traits because there are social values to all of them, whether you're high or low on each dimension. Um, yeah, I think if you're really high in one and relatively low in, like, a bunch of other ones, like, it's never good. <laughs> like, it's never good to be, like overly conscientious and like have none of the other like nothing balancing you out it's not good to be neurotic and have nothing balancing you out not good to be yeah overly open like there's just if you just think about each one for a minute like you can think of an example of someone you probably know that has way too much of some one of these and you're like you just need to chill you just need to chill but but yeah People change. We've been changing over the podcast. I found it very interesting to listen to myself. Um, So I recommend that everyone record themselves all the time. Um, Listen back. And And if you don't like your voice, 
just turn the speed down ever so slightly, and it'll give you a nice baritone. Oh, yeah, timbre. that's good, too. Also, you'll just get over it eventually. Eventually, you just get desensitized. Yeah. You don't even care anymore. You're like, yeah. this is just how I sound. People probably hate it. I probably hate it, but I don't even care. I definitely hate my... <laughs> I, I can hear the like, so I don't have like speech impediments, but I have, or whatever, like you were saying, but I have like, like quirks oh, to my yes. speech that I know. That's what you were going to say. Like I say, well, I know I say like too much when I get like worked up. See, I just did it. When I get worked up, I say like a lot. Sure. And or it's like one of my filler words. I also have a weird, um, not just like cadence of like my voice, but like of my sentence structure. Yes. Yeah. Were you going to say like, something about syntax? I will in a second, maybe. Yeah, that's that's the thing I didn't tell you about so that you could have a fresh take on it. Yes. We'll talk about okay. that in a second. Um, and I also, because of how nasally my voice is, which is totally biological, like it has to do with the structure of my sinuses or whatever, my facial structure, literally, according to the guy that did the surgery on my nose and was like, I've never seen a nose like this before. <laughs> I have so never like, seen awesome. this. That's nice. <laughs> I think he said, "If I think he said in a uh, quote, I've never done surgery on someone with such small air passageways. <laughs> oh it's not like I have. It's not like I have because t- I I have a big nose. Like that's what's weird. I have like a long. Oh I have the five percent Ashkenazi is all in the nose for me. Big schnoz, tiny and, passageways, which it might be six, but tiny holes like in my face. And he, I don't know what this means, but he said, I think I mentioned this in that one podcast." that I have bone spurs. So I can only imagine that that's coming off my skull. Like when you see a skull, it's like nose holes, the mouth, yeah, yeah, yeah. the eye sockets. I guess it's like the nose hole has like bone spurs, protu- per- like bone protrusions. And the only way to uh, fix that is a pretty intense surgery that's very difficult to recover from. And he's like, let's not do that yet. And I was like, okay. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do anything twice, but sure. Um, but what, what were we, uh, syntax, Sorry, you got to come back to syntax. So what were you going to say about your okay. syntax? Yeah. So syntax, I'm going to read what I wrote, Okay. but I have to read it cause I haven't slept. Um, okay. I make these sentence sandwiches. That's what I'm calling them. Uh, so easy to find when you're editing or when I'm editing, I can find the beginning of a thought. And then I can kind of do the talk, talking, and then like the end of the thought, and then like where you respond, basically. It's, you can see it in the sound waves. Like there's my audio mm-hmm. and your audio. It's like, here's where I'm talking, here's where you're talking. Well, where I'm talking, I can almost listen to the beginning of me starting to say something. As soon as I start, what I do is I'll almost finish the conclusion. I'll almost say the conclusion, and then I, I literally will say like half a sentence, then I'll stop. It sounds like a bad edit, but it's literally just how I talk. And then I start rambling and I just go and I go and I go and I go. And then I think because I can't control this, I've gotten much better because of the podcast and your criticisms of (laughs) me and everyone else's criticisms of me, like not saying (laughs) sentences that make sense. Um, like people literally, I think mom was like, you probably shouldn't do drugs before you do the podcast. I'm like, I don't oh think I'm God. doing drugs on those episodes. Like, I don't know. Um, she said something like that, which I agree with if I am. Oh um, but 
see, I'm doing it right now. So then I'll get to the conclusion and I'll, I actually, so this is the thing I've gotten good at is I'll actually say the final thing. Mm. And I, so now I can actually erase all of that stuff, that rambling in between, like a, like a five minute monologue, take it down like a minute or two. And it still makes total sense because I literally finished the thought, but I put all this stuff in between the like the thesis and <laughs> yes, the conclusion. Yes. So I have thoughts on that. Let's see what I well, wrote so, here. Maybe, oh, okay. Let me tell you my thoughts on that. But oh, you can add if you want to add something. Well, I was just going to say, I do think it's really interesting because that is something I've noticed. And I will say that, man, it's very strange. When I was editing the podcast for the first time, I was like, wow, people do not speak like you experience people speaking to you. Like you experience people telling you coherent thoughts and it all makes sense. And then when you record and you listen and you try to edit things, you're like, oh, my God. People are like having a thought and they just interject new thoughts right in the middle of an, a thought, you know, and you're like, what is going on? And you can just cut it out. Oh, yeah. You're like, well, <laughs> that was half a thought. Or people don't even say their conclusions. Like they just assume that you knew what they were saying and they'll just move on to the next thing. Yeah, and exactly. I, that's a big one. So if you and once you start editing your own audio, like it's a fun exercise. No one listens to this podcast. Like everyone should make a podcast that nobody listens to. We don't market it. I there's a there's like an Instagram account for it. It's completely blank. <laughs> and I don't even care. I'm like I mean, please do listen and send us money. <laughs> we don't market this. We're not marketers. I need money. But oh my God. um it makes you sensitive to that. So now I can listen to even like who you'd think like the like the the best podcaster most yeah. listened to podcaster yeah like joe rogan you you listen and people he's over, overly analyzed anyway so it's like obvious but everybody just has these yeah it's no like, it's not specific to you that was my point it's like everybody is having this weird experience yeah. of speaking as a as as and as a transcript i don't even know if it would be coherent but when you're actually doing it it works for the conversation somehow you yeah. know what i mean but like in in like which makes the editing so hard because you're like does this matter like what i'm saying and and then i'll cut sometimes i'll cut something out and then we'll, the conversation will go on and literally it's like nothing was missed because i'm listening so intently because i'm editing yeah. it that it's like i'm transcribing the words almost like into like a like a, a yeah. written sentence and then i'm like well that's no good take that shit out and i'll take it out and then I'm like, I'll put it back in sometimes. So I'm like, for some reason it needed that, even though there was, it was like no content in it, it somehow needed, like I've even cut out ums that you'll do. And then I'm like, that doesn't sound right anymore. Like you have to say um there. Yeah. Some ums are not necessary. Yes. Like mm. sometimes you're like, um. That's another thing. Then you say something and I'm like, it the needed The cadence. Yes. It, I will say that. Yeah. Okay. So that's another interesting thing about speech is cadence and pause. So I realized when I edited some of the first early ones, and you can go back and listen to this, you'll probably pick it up. But I was like I am too terrified. neurotic when I was listening to them and like the editing, like too detailed and like zoom I had zoomed in basically the level of analysis was too low or too high, you know, like I was thinking about the individual words and like whatnot instead of thinking about like the high level, like what is this thought that this person just communicate, which I think is probably the best level to think about it editing on 
But the problem was that I took out too much of the pauses. And then when I looked back at it, it was over-edited and it felt very unnatural. And so I think there's definitely a pause to your speech that is necessary. And the cadence, too, that's another thing. When you edit, if you, like, cut out something and then put two parts of the, you know, conversation next to each other that weren't next to each other before... I've noticed like one part may be fast and another part may be slow and then it may be really awkward to put them right next to each other because you'll be talking like this and then all of a sudden you'll be talking a little slower and it's very awkward and jarring. Yeah, that oh yeah, you can't <laughs> do that. That ha- I have to I have to leave so much garbage in sometimes because the energy level between it's usually because I go on a really long tirade and then I just want to take that out but then you are so bored (laughs) at listening to me tirade that your energy goes from like normal to like, yeah, anyways. (laughs) And it doesn't work. I have to leave in all this crap where I'm just like, well, and you're just like, yeah. So, Oh my God. Can I talk about that too? Cause that's another thing I've noticed is like, I want you to change, but I don't want you to change a thing. I have like this love hate relationship (laughs) where I'm like, You should be more coherent and concise. But then I'm also like, and because I'm like, maybe I should just interrupt him when he's doing that. But then I also think, but sometimes we get, you know, three minutes into a tirade and you'll bring up something that I never would have brought up into the conversation. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so interesting. And so partly I'm like, well, let me say it's very, it's very relieving to me when you do say that because I'm like, thank God somebody (laughs) Because you'll be like, oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, oh, finally, I said something interesting because I was about ready to jump off the cliff <laughs> myself and I couldn't stop. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, But, you know, this is a low bar, but I do find solace or comfort of some degree in the fact that people like, and you probably won't know this person, and hopefully, God, the listeners that we have also don't know who this is because I would be terrified if there were overlap between listenerships. Again, not that anyone's listening, but the theoretical listener. But this person named Trisha Paytas. Oh my god! No, stop! I know her. her? This is awful. She talks. She's so crazy, neurotic, fast talking, and I'm like, if that is worth money, then this is at least neutral. This is at least worth because I'm nowhere near. I'm nowhere near that. You know, I think that almost like crosses a threshold where it's like it gets so crazy that that actually makes it worth something. For oh her. my god! So for me, maybe maybe there's that is in there somewhere. I don't know. I do know that there is a personality difference between us. Yeah, yeah. That I think either one. I think it does somehow kind of find. Well, a see, that's what I was saying a second ago. I was like, I think it's good. Like all of these personality traits are good in the community, and I think. We, because we're siblings, I have this theory about siblings, like that siblings develop probably complementary personality traits to balance each other out. Mm. And I think we have some of that going on. Like, I think for all of my high consciousness, you are very low in that. And for all of your like (laughs) emotional, you know, interestingness, I feel like I am maybe a counterweight. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I think we have some in in some ways we're probably similar but in other ways i think we're different in in complementary ways like so i think it makes a good a good balance like we were saying earlier yeah our our end of like if you had a podcast and i had a podcast they would be so they would probably be so different you yeah, know what i mean yeah. but so together and i don't know if they either one would be listenable or if they were it'd be by a totally different kind of person 
So I do think it is interesting to bring them together. Yeah, but we we are similar in some ways too because we're intellectual. We might have similar interests and like some of the content would be similar. But I have thought about that too because we're both high in openness. I think that's the yeah the personality trait that links it. Yeah, no, I've thought about that because I think yeah we would. I don't know. It would be a very different kind of conversation. Like even I tried to do this podcast with someone else too, and it was very different. And you know, you have that normal sort of like tailoring yourself to different people, like the way you interact with different people is different. And so there's like our relationship, which is kind of unique. And that's like, I feel like that's really what the podcast is. It's like not about something. It's about our relationship, you know, and that's what kind of everyone's podcast is, which makes you really wonder about like what's actually going on with podcasts, because most of them aren't like two people who have a relationship. I mean, some of them are where you have two hosts or two people or whoever that are like on the podcast all the time. But like Joe Rogan, for example, it's like him and a couple people that have a relationship, like some comedians and then just random people all the time. Did we talk about that on the podcast or did I say that on the phone the other day? I think I said it on the phone because I was talking about that. Whatever. This might be boring, but it's just, again, it's a backroom meeting as a podcast. So the, I listened to that Joe Rogan episode recently. I don't I literally don't know who it was who it was on the podcast. I don't know what they were talking about. I didn't care what they were talking about, but it and so it was not like some research person that had like a topic or someone who read right. the book. It was like a comedian friend, you know, and they had nothing to talk about. And Joe is good at hiding promotional guests. So like he won't I've even heard him be like, well, dude, chill out. We'll get to it. When someone tries to like push their book that just came out before they get to it, like before the end of the podcast. Oh, my God. Oh, interesting. You know, so it's like I think there's something he doesn't like want that. I think at bare minimum, he just does not want that to be obvious. Interesting. That there's some reason that the person's there unless they're there because they wrote a book that he really liked. Mm. You know what I mean? It's an interesting Like some of thing. it actually is just like, oh, they're coming to promote the book, but we got to make it sound like a conversation and then it just comes up naturally is the vibe. Well, yeah, it's like when Joe Rogan, and there might be, this is a chicken egg thing. I think if you go on Joe Rogan, then everyone wants to pick you up. That's one part of it. But sometimes you'll hear someone somewhere and then you'll hear them another podcast. And then another, po- you're like, there's like a podcast circuit. And then, literally people go on. No, for a 100%. Yeah. And, it even I even see it in the conspiracy world, like conspiracy who are like supposed to be like so independent and alternative. So I don't know exactly how that process goes and how it works. And if we had someone that was like, "Hey, I just wrote a book. Can I come on?" and we thought the guest would be interesting, we'd probably say yes too. Right? You know what yeah. I mean? You just like, yeah, sure. So if someone's pushing for it and trying to get on, maybe you just go, "Yeah, whatever. Come yeah. on. You know, let's figure something out." No. But another um, thing. Oh, yeah. Ahead. There's well, the thing about that Joe Rogan episode is that. It, I listened because you were like, what's going on with podcasts? Like, what, what is, is this, this? thing? <laughs> this fu- and sometimes it's what I just described. And then there's other times like this one that I'm talking about where they're not there's it literally you're like, what? If you were listening for something, you'd be like, oh, what is it? Like, what are we talking about, guys? Because they're just it's like they just ran into each other, at the store, <laughs> you know, and they're like. Oh man, did you see that Mustang in the parking lot? That was a badass ride, wasn't it, man? I, I, you know, my favorite car I love is a '67 Mustang, and I know this guy, and he's got a, a shop, and he just redoes cars, man. They're so cool. I mean, let's pull up his Instagram. Oh, you know, you know what? 
you know what I like? You remember that TV show? You know, and it's just like, I don't care about any of this, but I listened to it really without finding fault. You know what I mean? I was yeah. just, I was entertained enough by listening because I was just doing dishes. It wasn't like I was really interested and I just kind of wanted background stuff and I was listening and it was mine. It wasn't memorable, but except for that fact that I was like, this is literally about nothing and I'm still going, yeah, oh, okay. Like, I think even though all we've done is talked about backroom stuff, I think at a certain level, it's like somewhat interesting. People will, people glean stuff from it as if they're in the conversation. Yeah. Well, that's what I think it's like about your relationship because I think partly people listen to like have sort of a, I think they call that like a parasocial relationship with the people and like you feel connected to them somehow, even though you've never met them. That's why it's parasocial or whatever. But uh, I was going to say, I think it's also interesting. So I'll listen back to the podcast and people have said this to be like, not to tout my own horn, but mom will say, oh, what you said was interesting about this. Her dad texted me and he was like, this, this commentary was interesting. And I will literally be like, what did I say? Like, I don't even know what I said about that because I don't prepare. Like, we don't prepare to say things in the podcast. It's not like, oh, you know, we may think of like topics to discuss, but it's not like this is what I'm going to say about X. And partly, I do find that really interesting because I will find myself listening back to myself and being like, oh, that was very insightful, Ben. That was kind of interesting. And it's like, what is going? Because it's like you would think that I would have access to that knowledge if I said it, but I feel like I don't. Well, I do that, too. I'm always surprised when I say something worth saying or I hear it back and I'm like, oh, like, well, like I'm listening back to him and I'm like, well, what am I about to say? Like, oh, that's interesting. But. I'll do it. The other thing that happens is I'll listen and I'll be like, I literally had the conversation with Ben and I can tell by what I said after what you said, after like listening back to it, that like I should have let your thing sit harder, mm. you know, because I'm, it's like, I almost, I didn't really miss it a lot of times, but like I missed some of the depth of it. Like if, obviously if you're saying something in a conversation, like there's some reason, yeah, yeah. like you're having like a feeling associated with it. No, that's so, totally a thing. I've listened back and thought, oh, my God, I didn't understand what he was saying. Like, I sort of understood it, but I didn't understand how intense that was. And as we've discussed, totally forgivable if you <laughs> have no idea what I'm saying. Because <laughs> half the time I literally get to, and I cut this out, but there's many times where I'm just cutting out me going, did I just make a point? <laughs> what, did I just say something that was relevant? What, what were we saying again? So there's a lot of that that doesn't make it. But uh, yeah, that's totally understandable. I was going to say something else about it. Oh, the Joe Rogan thing, just back to that. It's an interesting phenomenon. When you do listen to a podcast, so like if you found this podcast already, that means you're an avid podcast listener or you're related to me. <laughs> or I sent it to so, you. <laughs> think, yes. So, but I think for avid podcast listeners, you could think about this and relate. Like, so when the Joe Rogan, I, I know they talked about some bull, uh, BS about like cars, basically. Yeah. You know, just talking about it for a second, like what Shooting car they like and whatever. And it, I do know that uh, 100% made me think for like two or three minutes straight while I was doing the dishes of like, well, what would my preference, like what car, if I could have a car of choice, oh like, what would I drive? You know what I mean? Like I was like, yeah, like I want to say. And I thought about it and I was like, yeah, I want like a 96 F250 or like a flatbed. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was like really, and I don't want it. I don't want anything with a computer. And, you know, I really thought about like my dream car, whatever that means. And I was also, then I started thinking to myself, the concept of a dream car is stupid. Like what a consumerist, you know, I just, I had all these extra thoughts because I was tuning out half what they're saying because it was not interesting, but I was, it was, you know, whatever that reaction that people have to even a podcast like that is really dynamic. You know, it's like, 
what the podcast is about in a way. Like that's what it's half because like there's certain people I listen to that I like for different reasons or multiple reasons. Like my friend has a podcast. Monica Perez is like a Monica Perez show. Shout out, you know, deep dives with Monica Perez. Find it on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcast and um, (laughs) anywhere you get your podcast. Yeah. Your favorite podcast platform. Um, like and subscribe link in the show notes. Um, she is really smart and really good at research, which I like about her. And I would listen for that alone, but I feel like she's a friend and I hear a lot of me in her. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm so un like I'm the opposite of impartial. I'm like very partial, I guess would be the opposite. (laughs) Um, because I, because I like openness, but she has this kind of crazy, frantic way of expressing herself sometimes. Yes. She's and very passionate. I've and I've noticed. I've thought about it before because I've thought. I always. I often have the thought like, how is she not really famous? Because she's so freaking smart, you know. And she's so interesting and just cool. She has like a cocktail blog. Like she's just like the coolest. She's a cool conservative so- woman. Okay. When you think about cool conservative she's not even women, conservative like she's but like, she's not conservative, like cool yeah. Cons- like anarcho, anarcho, uh, libertarian, just independent, like fully. Independent, she's got like Sarah Palin vibes to me, like, but not in a bad way because Sarah oh, Palin wow. is like I think, but Sarah Palin to me is like that's a free spirit woman who's like free thinking and bold and interesting. Yes. If she were not a politician, yes. Sarah Palin would be cool. She's like, yeah, I'm just some like housewife that lives in Alaska just fighting bears. She's all right? like, I shoot guns. You know, like yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> I can see Russia from my backyard. <laughs> that might have been off that skit. Anyways. um, But I hear a lot of that. And to some, like myself, it's like maybe endearing, you know, and to others, it's like unbearable. Mm-hmm. obviously otherwise i think she would be famous like i think that some people rise unnaturally to fame and some people rise naturally to fame and i think she could be naturally famous except for maybe personality you know what i mean like there's just not that many people out there that share a liking for the the quirk and a liking for the content you know it's just you kind of the more interesting and unique you are you may be like very limiting as far as your reach you know yeah. it's like only for some yeah. people and i think you, you know, have to be which fine is with interesting. that yeah no it's totally fine to be only for some and people. i love listening to alternative stuff like even like if i find accidentally something very left-wing and progressive i'll listen to it just to hear what they say oh yeah because i'm not very like the whatever the new progressivism is i'm like i don't ever hear anything persuasive but it makes me interested to know if there is something, it, what is the persuasive thing that's got everybody? Yeah, you know. And sometimes you hear it, and you're like, okay, like I, at least I understand where this is coming from now. Even if I can st- still probably disagree, at least I know it's not total. Psychopathy. Yeah, no, I'm fine with that too. I listen to people who are not of the same mind as me, and I'm fine as long as they like talk about it. What really bothers me is when people don't seem thoughtful about anything. And like I was listening to these two guys that came on the Tim Dillon podcast and I was like, oh, my God, I have no hope for our oh, generation. I, I need to listen. How did I missed that somehow? But I need to listen to that. I heard a clip of it somewhere, but I was like, what was this? I don't know how I missed it's on that the podcast. YouTube. But essentially just the thing I thought was so striking was they were like, 
Trump took lying to the next level. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you're idiots. I was like, you just knew when Trump was lying. Trump was a terrible liar. Like all the other politicians, you don't even know when they're lying. They're not lying less. Like you just knew when Trump was lying, which is almost more honest. I was about to say that, like, it's literally like, the opposite of taking lying to the, and, yeah, the next level. It called, like, lying slightly less than every other politician you know. Like, he would say things that you're like, wow, most politicians would just put a spin on that that doesn't sound quite so intense. Literally, and I was <laughs> like, know? I feel like it's so weird that you think that. And it was just, I was like, oh, my God, you have no critical thinking ability. I was like, I'm so worried for our generation because these people were, like, slightly younger than me. And I was like, oh, my God. Anyway, one thing I heard recently that was really interesting, this is like some polling data, like they surveyed people about like media sources and like how much they trust different media sources. And one of the interesting findings from this was like, basically, I think Republicans just didn't trust any media sources, regardless of their political quote unquote leaning. And I think Democrats, like people who self-identified in the survey, Democrats tended to trust democratic sources and sort of neutral sources and i thought see this is this is the kind of different experience i think the the sides are having like people on different extremes is like i think that it's easy to see it as like a dialectic like oh like the republicans are really into fox news and the liberals are really into like i don't know cnbc or whatever um but i think it's like not quite that like i think there's a lot of republicans who are just having the experience of like I don't trust any media, like not even Fox News. Like right. I just don't trust anything that's happening on the news. And they were literally even like rating C-SPAN as like, that's not trustworthy, which is literally just a live feed. And they're like, can't trust yeah. that. <laughs> well, they do have some like call-in shows. It's interesting. And they can be a little biased. It's interesting. But yes, that is hilarious because it is. It's like, it's beyond 3d chess it's like 45d chess where where you're did i just say chest <laughs> chess where like you said it's like oh it's all right and left it's all fox versus cnn but it's like not really it's like these people that are watching fox don't trust fox either so it's like they're hate watching everything so it's almost like a difference between like true skeptics and like believers or something yeah you know literally no did you have another thing about syntax you were gonna say i we digressed so my a sentence long time sandwich that. thing my sentence sandwich thing culminates with yeah so i was saying like all that filling in my sandwich isn't needed you know i put a lot on the sandwich and so i was i thought about that for a second and it turns out as i've concluded I actually also make my real life sandwiches like that. <laughs> what? Like some people like a sandwich with a lot of meat on it, you know? I'm not, I don't want a lot of meat. I want a lot of ingredients oh, okay. in balance. I want metaphor. a lot of lettuce, a lot of tomato, a lot of ha like ham, whatever, you know, a lot of mayonnaise. Just everything that's on the sandwich. I want every ingredient we that goes on a sandwich. And you can't close the sandwich up. It's sloppy. It's hard to eat. So mm. I started thinking, I, this, I know this is like a far, it's a stretch. It's a but stretch, but I interesting. Thinking that I was like, what is that? And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm like that 
in a lot of ways where I don't like too much of anything, whether it's like alcohol, drugs, any behaviors that I do, anything, but I want everything, you know, Mm. it's a weird, some people aren't like this. Like I've had friends that will do drugs. This is a long time ago, but I had a friend that would take these things. We used to call triple C's cold, coarse and cold and cough for high blood pressure. You got to get the high blood pressure one for safety. And he would take like a whole box and pop every single pill out of the blister packs, like 32 or however many it was, and take all of them at one time. Oh, my God. Then I'd be like, I've never done that hmm. drug before, but I'd like to try it. But I'm not trying 32 of them. I'll try four of them. Interesting. You know, or people that want mushrooms that want like a breakthrough experience. Please, I do not want to break through anything. <laughs> In fact, I probably should because instead I take it and I stay on the edge of sobriety Some, you know, whenever I've tried them and then it just provokes a lot of anxiety and like repetitive motion syndromes. So <laughs> I started wondering, what is this thing? What is that about me? What am I doing hmm. that's like, you know, how would I describe that behavior in as few words as possible? And I started thinking it could be, and I just whatever this is why i said it could be a topic it could be a form of indulgence hmm like of some or is there a word for uh what's the word for indulgence that's like too much like where you it's like a what is it, the seven deadly sins almost like a gluttony oh, of sorts mm. i was thinking you know but opulence. like an indul- overindulgence yeah whatever Maybe not. Opulence has the wrong connotation, that, but, I think. Gluttony's probably better. Yeah, that's finer. That's like a lot of the finer things. I don't, they could be shitty things. No. I just, all yeah, them. I think that's interesting because that's what I was saying earlier. It's like, there's something interesting about that because you weave a lot of different threads that I think most people wouldn't weave together. And so that's a really interesting thing that I think you are uniquely suited for. But I also think that you don't seem unified in like a direction and that you have too many disparate things and thoughts going on and that you don't really commit toward any particular thing or set of things and that and then you don't make progress down a direction very far yeah i think that's true it's it's very if to put a clinical term on it add of me or adhd of me probably yeah um, but it's interesting because sometimes it's not good it, to go down too far. Like sometimes you that's like the kind of thinking where you end up being like, it all comes down to this and like nothing can deviate from the theory. I'm very ultimately noncommittal, but I go, so I'm very bipolar in my thoughts and things. And with that comes because of the ex- bipolar indicating like some extremes, I'll go extremes in both directions. And it seems like I'm very committed even, but ultimately given enough time and not very much time either, just a very short duration, I'm actually quite non-committal mm-hmm. to a lot of the things. And that's in life. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. It's sometimes when I'm not suffering for more mundane reasons, although this is also mundane. So like I'm, I love nature and beautiful scenery. I think who you do doesn't? Too. Yeah. I love it. And I have a taste, you know, so I'll see like a, like on Zillow or something or whatever, just, just, or on the side of the road that I drive by, like I'll see a, a farmhouse or just a house in a nice spot. The sun hits. I like imagine, like, I wonder if that's a good place. Like if they could have a good garden there, like where's the sun rise? You know, I think about all these things and I'll like 
And like, if I just had this, like a house with 10 acres, you know, with a body of water, you know, and I, I had this feeling where, so I'm just saying it could, for anybody, it could be something different, I guess. Like it could be. Sure. Different reasons. Uh, yeah. Condo on the yeah. beach, whatever, you know, whatever. It could be anything, I guess, but it disturbs me sometimes that I will live my whole life and never have any of that. The possibility will never come to me. Mm. And I think most people, I think it's pessimistic, but I think it's probably also true. And that I think the way people get through life not being so pessimistic and bipolar as myself is by just continuing to believe that you will. Oh my God. You know, like people well, like in the back of their head always kind of have this, like, otherwise why would we spend so much time at work? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It's like in the back of your mind, you think one day I'll have that. Yes. I'll be able to have that yeah. thing, something that I want, you know, I don't know. Some kind of weird kind dream. Of like a weird pipe but, dream. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and then to close the analogy out, um, I forgot what I was going to say because I've been up since three o'clock in the morning. Um, no. I'm not going to. I'm going to leave it open. Go on. Okay. Well, I have something to say about that. So, you know, that could be one. Oh, oh go ahead. sorry. Well. <laughs> it's about the pot. It's, Just cut it out. To close it out, <laughs> I'm going to relate it to the podcast. When we started, it's like I was really hyped. And then we started the podcast and I'm like, fucking, I hate this fucking podcast. I don't oh, my God. Is. Can we just say, suck for podcasting. the record, you were the one who was like, we got to do the podcast. We got to do the podcast. You were trying to get me to do the I podcast. Know. I'm like, we're doing the podcast. And then when we start doing it, you're like, I don't want to edit. I don't want to do this. It's so hard. Well, you were, do- you were doing like three. Po- I was like, well, you're doing all these podcasts with other people. So I want to do a podcast. So I w- and I love podcasts and whatever. So I did the podcast. And then I have that feeling. My point is, I think with this analysis of the scented sandwich, somehow it has revealed part of what was my issue with the podcast. And I feel like I'm getting over it to a certain extent. But I was saying like indulgent, like it's like self-indulgent or something. Another term for it that's a little more vulgar is Mm. like, it's almost like masturbatory in a way, you know, like like self-satisfying, like Mm. self something and so then like having the podcast which is i think what a big struggle in the beginning a lot of the especially the unpublished episodes least episodes <laughs> are like it's like we were searching or at least i was for a reason to have it and i think i couldn't identify exactly why i was pressing that so hard but i think it's because it wasn't because there was logic to it, like I was trying to explain when I would try to explain it. But the, the feeling behind it might have been this, that it's like self, you know, just like... or something. Yeah, like uh, self-indulgent, you know, like, oh, I just want to be out there talking and saying what I got to say, you know. And it was like, what I did to fix that cognitive dissonance is I just adjusted how I think about the importance of the podcast. I'm like, well, if I just don't think that the podcast is important, then I don't have to realize if I'm... I don't have to worry if I'm saying unimportant things. It's like, I don't care. Like, no one's listening. Good. Yeah. You know, I don't care. Interesting. Yeah, I think my take on it is, like, you have to be clear about what exactly is important because certain things aren't important. And you can get caught up in those things because I think someone could hear what you just said and be like, yeah, that's exactly why you need to think about the audience and the customer and, like, do what they want and not what you want. And it's like, but also... Selling out is kind of, you can also sell out and that's not a good thing. And partly I like constantly feel like I have to recenter and reframe like this isn't about growing the podcast, Ben. It's not about like having a million fans or like whatever. It's just about building a relationship with your brother and 
learning and growing about yourself. And I feel like I achieve those things and that's the most important thing. And so I'm like, if the other things come along, fantastic. But I feel like that's the most important thing to me. And it is it is interesting that I find myself getting away from that sometimes. Um, so, yeah. But the other thing I was going to say is about you said some people sort of go through life knowing like they're never going to get this house or never going to make it here. And then you're like, and some people's reaction to that is like you kind of just hope like you just believe like, well, I will, you know, at some point. And I was thinking I had this experience recently. There's another maybe way through that, at least uh, where I was listening to this symphony, The Planets by Holst. Very famous. You probably know it. Um, but if you haven't listened to it, I listened to the whole thing back to back while we were driving. And um, what's the name of it? The Planets? The Planets. There's like a movement mm. for each planet. So like Mars and Mercury and uh, Venus and whatever, Jupiter. So it goes through all the planets. Um, and uh, well, I just found it really soothing to my soul somehow. Um, that sounds weird, but it was, it's just beautiful music. It's great music and it's really soothing. And I had this really visceral experience in one of the movements, which is like, I can't remember which one, because all of them have like subtitles, like Jupiter, the bringer of jollity or whatever. And so one of them is like, the bringer of old age. I think it might be Uranus is the bringer of old age or whatever. But that one's a slow one and it's beautiful. And I had this experience of sort of like depersonalization where I think so much of our lives we go through things like worried about ourselves and like what we're going to do and how things are affecting us and what we're, our goals are, where we're going to be, who we're going to become. And I just had this experience of like, letting all that go for a second and just being a witness, like just being an observer. And it was like the most calming experience. And I just got to say, I think that is another way to like make it through life is like, because I also felt like in that moment, I was like, you ha you kind of have to be in this place to realize what is truly important and meaningful. It's like, you have to depersonalize it almost because it's not about you. Because um, you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately. And then you, like we were saying in that one episode, like gun to your head, literally a gun to your head. Nothing, any, even none of your stuff in life even matters anymore unless you have like family, children or, you know, something like there's that little sphere of influence that you had. And beyond that, not much. Right. Right. And yeah, but I agree. I mean, like this morning when I was dying and still am dying, but I'm pretty medicated at the moment. Um, I walked down the road and then I cut into the woods and was just started walking to the woods. I had was just wearing flip flops and rain last night, the grass and the brush and the briars is all very tall. I'm like soaking wet. It's just all grass seeds stuck to every part of my body. It's not even comfortable. And as I'm walking, I just have this urge. I'm like, I, I don't even want to be wearing my flip-flops right now. Like, I want to be mm. walking without my shoes on. Like, I just want to melt sometimes into... Maybe this mushroom thing is just a big metaphor for my life, by the way. But I just want to melt into... Like, it does... I do get the, the Mother Earth thing. Like, just into... Oh, my God. The Earth, you know, because I don't... 
because I something about it. And I don't even know if I believe this like in a ideological way or religious way or anything. It's it's simply because people talk about it and a lot of those people are annoying, like the hippie dippy types. But there is for me something about it that I cannot escape a lot of times. And it really helps that it's like spring. You know, I don't know if I would have felt the same way if I was like freezing outside, but I, uh, it brought on that kind of thought that you were just saying. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to read you this quote, of course, it's by Carl Jung. So everybody just, I can't believe this is it. the self-soothing part of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so I just like to read Carl Jung. Um, <laughs> so soothing. The alchemist saw the union of opposites under the symbol of the tree, and it is therefore not surprising that the unconscious of present-day man, who no longer feels at home in his world and can base his existence neither on the past that is no more, nor on the future that is yet to be, should hark back to the symbol of the cosmic tree rooted in this world and growing up to heaven. That tree is also man. In the history of symbols, this tree is described as the way of life itself, a growing into that which eternally is and does not change, which springs from the union of opposites and by its internal presence also makes that union possible. It seems as if it were only through an experience of symbolic reality that man, vainly seeking his own existence and making a philosophy out of it, can find his way back to a world in which he is no longer a stranger. Say that last part about how he finds his way back again. Yeah, it's dense. Just go back, listen to it again. Just sit with it. I think it's just an interesting set of things. But yeah, he says, it seems as if it were only through an experience of symbolic reality that man, vainly seeking his own existence and making a philosophy out of it, can find his way back to a world in which he is no longer a stranger. So there's like a, a going and a coming back to that young is saying here that seems almost inescapable that man vainly seeks his own existence through symbolic reality and making philosophy the reckoning and the reasoning and he's like but all of that is for the purpose of coming back coming back to home um to a world it's the prodigal son yes exactly and he's drawing on lots of metaphorical and mythological allusions there um but yeah, I thought it was uh, interesting. I thought it had parallels with what you were saying and you've been experiencing maybe too. It's like this, you know, I'm the kind of person that thinks a lot of different things and has all these ideas, weaves all these different threads. But then, yeah, going out into nature and like, I like to be in the woods and I just could melt away almost. It's very interesting. Yeah, where you just, and why probably it's, I'm totally noncommittal about most of the beliefs. Cause it's like ultimately... I don't know, but I do know, I do know that I'm like here and with, and just like, if you just go out where people aren't, aren't really, it's nature and that that's, there's something, I even struggle with this notion, but there's something ultimately true about it, you know? Yeah. Like there's something just ultimate and huge and complex and just as useless to try to understand you know like you there's lots you can understand but you'll never understand 
all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we discover, what do they say? We discover like a bajillion species every day. Right. And then a bajillion go extinct. And you're like, exactly. You could never keep up. So, and just because you're discovering them doesn't mean they're coming into existence. It means we've you've been looking forever and you still haven't even found a fraction of what's really going on here. And there's something comforting about that. No matter how much you, I think you, it is like that. You go and you think and you think and you think and you think and you think. Like the philosophy degree that I have. Exactly. Like, uh, the thing that I prefer about, like, like that I'm okay with about it is that it's like, oh, it's all, it's not, nothing is settled. Like that's what I know now. Like there's lots and lots of really amazing ideas and they've been around for, there's new ones and there's old ones, some that have been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And we've made almost no progress. If you want to linger on them, that's totally fine. Because, you know, you could, you they really like you almost like it comes down to you just can't know. Yeah. Like I think therefore I am like maybe and maybe not like maybe that's why you are or that's the evidence that you are or maybe that isn't. Maybe that's just you thinking and maybe there is no you. It doesn't it barely indicates anything if you really think about it. And then that's overwhelming and impossible. Yeah, right. With and, contradictions. But then you're like, yeah. And then you're like, well, I'm going to die soon, relatively. And. Okay. Yeah. Back you know? to the gun to the head. What does it, yeah, what does all this matter for? And I think, yeah, there's some depersonalization that's like what presence is maybe and just realizing that like all of this does not hinge on you in some deep sense. Like, I mean, it does like in some way, like not like you should just check out and like you do have, you know, a life to live and you know, things to do, but it's like the world, its existence does not, you know, it's not going to be destroyed because of you. Like, <laughs> yeah, because we have to exist in the world and only temporarily, it really does. I think just that fact alone gives a lot of credence to that notion that we're like here as like a, like a learning experience for some reason, you know, like we almost chose it somehow or, or we didn't choose it and we're literally here for like a personal journey that it's important that you're here in a collective setting even for your personal journey and who knows what the ultimate thing to know is there you know the ultimate thing to learn but the penultimate thing is kind of that notion that like this is all about me and it's not about me at all like i and i also don't hardly matter yeah and i matter yeah. i'm the only thing that matters and i and i'm super insignificant in some kind of exactly. way exactly your identity becomes i think that's your identity transcends from like the egoic self to like some sort of like collective self where you're like the identity becomes rooted in something natural and something continuous and unchanging and durable that's like persistent and that you actually realize that that's inviolable. Like the thing that I'm stressed about all the time dying is like my egoic identity that is very unstable and ephemeral. But the, the part of me that like really exists like that isn't 
going anywhere. Like that's sort of like the the deep part of you that I feel like you can't control. Like I was, that's the part of the personal depersonalized experience I was having. It's like, I can't control any of this. Like society is just going, like, what are we doing? Like no one has any control over any of this. Like, I don't even know. I don't even have control over myself. You know, like, I don't know why I do the things I do. So yeah, there's that like level of like engagement with that. Well, how much time do you have? I got like five minutes. Okay, well, this is not going to work, but let's try. Um, I have this, this other thing that I, I I can dance around the topic for less than five minutes, and we'll see if that gets us anywhere. But I started out by thinking, I could ask, what is justice? Hmm. I could ask a more loaded version of that question. Is justice like getting what one deserves? Is that justice? Um, oh my God. No, I'm glad you brought this up. It's such a hard topic. We'll have to come back to do a deep dive on yeah. it because on some level... Is justice good? Is it important? Yeah. Is it is it really, really important? Are there other ideas that trump justice that are better, more uh worth our attention than justice like so does does justice fall by the wayside in the face of love you know like i don't know at all yeah i think that's my personal take on it i guess i think that things are fully judgment and fully grace at the same time and that justice is like a form of judgment but a world in which justice is the most important thing to ensure, I think, would be an insufferable world. Because if we all really got what we deserved, to quote my mom, I think we'd all be in a bad place, you know, honestly. Because... Well, there's that saying, an eye for an eye leaves the world blind. Exactly, yeah. Like, And I think that that's the kind of... I think you have to come from a place of extreme hubris to go around demanding justice, kind of, like on some fundamental level, because it's like these people haven't gotten what they deserve. And it's like, oh, really? Have you gotten what you deserve? Like, if we're really going to count straws here, like, what is it that we all deserve? Let he who has not sinned cast the first stone. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I'm like, I feel very hesitant to make things like about justice because I'm like, I don't. I know that I don't want what I deserve. You know, I deserve, I've made so many wrongs and made so many mistakes. And if I really got what I deserve, that would be very painful. And, you know, I, I need grace, you know, and in some sense, because I need grace, I'm willing to extend it to others. Um, And I think in that way, it's like, it's trumped by love or something. Um, Yeah, because... You could say, like, that's, like, justice in a metaphorical sense. There's also just the practical reality of, like, justice that's a little more nuanced, too. Like, I think justice looks different at a societal level than it does at a familial level or a close relational level. Like, justice at a group level where it's impersonal may be something like everybody gets the same thing. And that's one way to think about it. But then justice in your family may be, like, more like equity where it's like everybody gets what they need because I understand everyone's needs. Um, 
but that doesn't scale well to like large societies that kind of like equity i just think that's like this is tangential but when people talk about justice and equity i'm like equity doesn't scale because you can't know what everyone needs like you're like it's a nice image it's like but immediately when you start thinking about well how would we implement that it's just impossible like because how do you know how do how do you know what people need you don't even know what you need you know most of the time so i just find that that is a very difficult thing and so i think the easier thing is just to be like everybody gets the same which is a concept of justice i guess um but then yeah like that's sort of like what's just or whatnot um and i don't know that that's good either because yeah to point out again love trump's justice is like you know i don't think we should punish all people the same like you know are all crimes equal like everybody who breaks this law it's all the same you know and it's like it's not like it's contextual like maybe that person broke that law because they something really crazy happened to them or they were in a period of deprivation or maybe they you know had been hurt or whatnot and and that's not the same as someone else so i think people think of justice maybe as like fair like what maybe what you deserve but also like a fairness of some kind yeah but i that's difficult too to figure out what is fair and i'd ask the same question of fairness too like is fair good you know is it because some things like should you help someone in need or should you give money to a homeless person or, or something it's like is that is the situation prior to me giving you money is it fair is it fair that i have to give you my money is it fair that you don't have any money and is it unfair that i don't get you know what i mean like I don't I don't right. even know if that's a good virtue basically like is justice or fairness are these even virtues worth seeking I mean but I but then how could you have like justice is one of those like it's very logical and binary like it seems like you it'd be easy to come up with not easy but it seems doable you'd have a government like ours it kind of always has to be growing but to try to always keep like for liberty and justice for all, like everyone's got to have justice and freedom. Okay. But I feel like you could have um, like another, I think it, the, it could have been a liberty and kindness to all, you know, and you'd have a totally different society. Mm. And I actually think that as a virtue, kindness is better than justice because the hard questions of justice would be less prevalent if the virtue in the hearts of man was kindness. Yeah. So then what justice, so then justice is a smaller virtue that we have to look at when other virtues are violated. You know, it's mm -hmm. like a false virtue almost. Yeah. I don't know. It's something, it's just something weird about it. It struck me because and I think we all do have a notion of justice and fairness. But again, if you take it literally, like an eye for an eye, I mean, if someone actually took your eye, yeah, you'd be like... Justice. Just, dude, I'm taking your eye. Yeah. You know, or so, I don't know. Like, you'd just be like, you something's got to happen. But maybe in reality, nothing does have to happen. I don't like. I don't believe that. 
I don't know what I believe. I don't know either. Because yeah. I think that there's... Because it is the point you were just making. It's like it does seem necessary in a social community where people make mistakes and there's conflicts and whatnot. And it's like settling those disagreements and conflicts like you need justice, which is like you're going to get a fair hearing or something like, you know, we're not going to let people just you know, trample over other people. But then I also think about like when you implement justice, there's something negative about it where I don't know that when you serve justice, for example, like some people may be like, well, that teaches that person a lesson and that's the consequence and they're not going to do that again. And maybe, but also what if it doesn't? Like what if it propels the person into more of the thing that they were doing that they someone else needed justice for? You know, it's like if you punish a, a criminal and you're like, this criminal was in a bad situation, which is why they violated some civic norm or virtue, and then they hurt someone else, and then you're like, now we're going to punish you. Maybe that person sees it like they're being punished because of their situation and like that they really couldn't help but have done that thing and that they actually need mercy and that, you know, I can't forgive myself because even my peers can't forgive me and they're punishing me. And so now I'm even more resentful and bitter. And now I'm going to go and do more of that thing and hurt more people, you know, and it's like I can see that becoming a vicious cycle. Um, and so I don't know that even serving justice is good. And that was the point we made in another podcast, which is like in the uh, whatever that Indian epic that I was reading. Uh, one of the stories about justice is precisely that is that it like is a cyclical thing. Like when you serve justice, that actually usually invokes that you do something negative to someone else and that actually causes that person to need to take justice against you and so it's this never-ending loop of like serving justice to each other um yeah yeah it's interesting at least you need uh at least you need love and i might suggest that love just trumps justice that would be my take on that but anyway We've covered a lot of ground, and we'll have to put it to rest there for now. Okay. Time for bed. <laughs> this is the night show. Oh, oh, oh.